Hello and welcome back to the Milan Baptist Podcast. My name is Manon and I am the community pastor at Milan Baptist Church. I hope that you have enjoyed the first two episodes on generosity, but please don't worry if you haven't had a chance to listen to them yet. You'll still fully understand what is happening in this one. It's been really interesting to have had the chance to chat with some of you over the last few weeks and to find out that the things that a lot of us at MEVC are enjoying right now are living with blank diary pages as well as spending more time with family. Life seems to have slowed down its pace and it would appear that it is doing our souls a lot of good. Why is that? And if so, how can we ensure we carry on slowing down once life returns to normal? Let's try to understand some of those questions as we explore our second theme. Today we will be talking about the discipline of slowing down. But first, here's a story that James Brown Smith tells in his book called The Good and Beautiful God, Falling in Love with the God Jesus Knows. One evening, my son Jacob and I decided to attend a concert at church. We left our house early so we could stop at a local coffee shop to get a soda for him and a cup of coffee for me. Over the previous few months, I had been thinking about the need to slow down to save a life's moments. So I was pleased that we had created some margin to spend a few moments together, rather than rushing, as usual. Once we sat down with our drinks, I settled in, enjoying the present moment. But Jacob chucked down his soda, began fidgeting and with typical adolescent impatience said, Come on, Dad, let's go. But we've got 15 minutes. Then, let's go somewhere else, he pleaded. Why? I want to relax and enjoy my coffee. Come on, please, this is boring. I had been thinking a lot about American hurry sickness, always being in a rush and the causes behind it. Hurriedness is an inner attitude that is not necessarily caused by outer circumstances. Boredom is one of its symptoms. The solution to the problem is counterintuitive. Being present where you are. I'll make you a deal, I said. We can go as soon as you notice five things about this place that you never noticed before. He had been in that same coffee shop a half dozen times before. What do you mean? he asked. Look around the room, look at the walls, the ceilings, and spy five things you've never really paid attention to before. He looked up at the ceiling. Well, I never noticed that yellow thing, he said, pointing to the awning. Good, I said. Keep going. He looked around. There's an apron pinned to the wall over there. Never noticed that before. Oh, and there's a picture of a dog on the other wall. Three down, two to go. Um, well, those lamps, the brown ones, I never noticed them. And the floor, it has grey and black tiles. I've never looked at them either. You did it, I said. But here was the amazing thing. Instead of wanting to leave right away, he kept looking around. His anxious face now looked peaceful, even interested. Maybe it was the fact that I had turned it into a game, but maybe not. Maybe he was actually discovering something that had been right under his nose the whole time. Okay, Jake, you know your weird dad is always trying to teach you something. 
what's the point of this little exercise? He paused for a few seconds and then said, stop and notice the world's features. Brilliant, I responded. Why is that important? I guess because the world has a lot of things worth noticing. More wisdom. I was so proud of my boy. That's right, I said. And I also wanted to show you what I've been learning for the past few months. You see, we get anxious and say we're bored, but what's really happening is that we aren't paying attention. We aren't living in the present moment. And we do that because we think the present moment isn't interesting. But it is. You just discovered that if you stop and notice the world's features, you can stop feeling bored and start enjoying life. Yeah, I get it, Dad. Can we go now? Okay, so we learn slowly, but at least it was a start. It all started with the monks in the 6th century. The rule of St. Benedict stated that idleness is the enemy of the soul. In order to prevent it, they invented the mechanical clock. This new invention instructed the monks to either spend time doing their work or take some time to pray, study and do lecture divinas. Yes, they're the ones you're thinking about. Lecture divina is the exercise where you meditate on a short passage of scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight something to you. Just like Christine taught us a year ago. Now, that wasn't a bad thing at all. The monks would spend about four to five hours a day praying and reading, so certainly did not experience hurry sickness. It all changed when the clock they invented was assimilated into society in round about 1370. That was the birth of the all-year-long 9-5 to rhythm that we are all familiar with. This meant that at that point men and women stopped to live in synchronisation with nature, that sunrise and sunset, or with their own bodies, and decided instead to trade those things in order to become more efficient. In other words, they did away with God's rhythm, the one that we found in nature, so that they could be more productive, that is, less man, more machine-like. The advancement of hurry continues with the invention of the light bulb in 1879. Do you remember who created it? You're exactly right, Thomas Edison. Now, that created another huge shift where people could now stay up way after nightfall. On that note, did you know how many hours people slept on average before Edison's genius invention? 11 hours per night. According to Google, people in the UK now sleep an average of six and a half to seven hours. And incidentally, women sleep five minutes longer than men. I hope that this is because a lot of gentlemen out there are waking up a few minutes earlier to make coffee for their lovely wives. We sleep four and a half hours less than people did 150 years ago. Anyone up for making sleep fashionable again? After this, we built more and more machines that save us time. For example, we have boilers, cars, toasters, microwaves, washing machines, computers, etc. So, we sleep less and have all those gadgets saving us time. How come we still feel so time poor? What is it that we are spending our time on then? What else happens? In 2007, Steve Jobs released the first iPhone. Along with that, Facebook and other companies started emerging. 
this signals the beginning of the internet and Wi-Fi. Now we live in an age where we have both smartphone and the internet in our pockets. This means quick, snappy information at our fingertips. Did you know that we touch our iPhone on average 2,617 times a day? That's got a lot to do with the fact that our phones have been designed for distraction and addiction, a bit like slot machines. Companies make a profit when they get us to stay on it. What's more, research has found that being in the same room as our smartphone reduces our memory and problem-solving skills. In his book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John McCormer says, Our attention span is dropping with each passing year. In 2000, before the digital revolution, it was 12 seconds. So it's not exactly like we had a lot of wiggle room. But since then, it's dropped to 8 seconds. To put things in perspective, a goldfish has an attention span of 9 seconds. The last two decades have been an acceleration of productivity and efficiency. It is now at its peak and comes with one word of caution. We seem to have lost the ability to pay attention. So what is the solution? Surely having more time would not actually fix anything. It just gives us an opportunity to experience more of the same. The problem is that while some of our activities could be classified as unessential, most of us struggle with having only good, important and meaningful activities to squeeze into our diary. You might not be surprised to hear that Jesus may well have the solution. How did he do it, you say? Well, he led a simple life, lived around what really mattered to him. There are a few things that we know were key to the lifestyle of Jesus during his time on earth. One of them was that he often withdrew to spend time away with his father, both early mornings and at nights. He didn't wake up early so that he could heal more people or prepare one more piece of teaching. He did it in order to spend time with his father so as to have his identity strengthened. He maintained a good balance between work, rest and action. As followers of Jesus, our rhythm should be the same as his. It is his lifestyle that we are endeavouring to emulate. It's not just about following his teachings. Spending time with his father was essential to Jesus. Is it to us too? Jesus also had a way of remaining unhurried even when interrupted, which happened a lot according to the Gospels. Take the story of Jairus and his daughter in Mark 5. As Jesus was surrounded by the crowd, a man named Jairus bowed down before him, begging him to heal his dying daughter. The crowd only just continued to grow as they made their way to Jairus's house. Suddenly, Jesus felt power coming out of him. He stopped and asked who touched him. That's when a lady who had been bleeding for 12 years came forward to testify that she had just been healed. Isn't it interesting that Jesus took the time to stop and acknowledge the woman when he was walking alongside the father of a dying daughter? Jesus could not be hurried. He was fully present in the moment, taking time for the people and actions that he knew mattered most. He eventually made it to Jairus's house, and though she had just died, Jesus called the girl back to life. There is another well-known story that tells us of the unhurried way of Jesus, the story of Mary and Martha. Most of you will be familiar with it, so I won't tell it now, but if it is new to you, let me encourage you to press the pause button 
and read Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. The message of his story is that whilst Martha's desire to hurry and be the best hostess for Jesus was good, Mary's choice to sit at his feet and listen to him was better. It strikes me that I often operate like Martha. I sometimes surprise myself thinking that God and others will be proud of me when they see me accomplish a lot. Seeing my diary fill up fills me with confidence. I'm doing something right. Sadly, I also observe that my busy weeks often are those where I stop to acknowledge God's presence or listen to his spirit the least, as I am so busy. I'm already thinking about the next thing. After all, with busyness comes a sense of worth. Have you ever found it to be true in your life? But the cost we we pay for it is too great. As James Brown Smith says, too many of us are trying to serve God without listening to God. There will be time to serve, but listening to Jesus always takes precedence. This episode has been a little more intense than the first one. That is because hurry seems to be such a big issue for our generation. I'd like to finish this episode by making a couple of suggestions and giving you a few challenges. From what we learned from the way of Jesus, we know now that slowing down is a lifestyle. It means that most of us won't be able to just pull it out of the bag, but we'll have to put thoughts, efforts and practice before being able to master it. Two things we have discussed today that will be helpful with that process are 1. Prayerfully think about what values you want to live by. What are the things that matter to you most? Write them down and see if the way you live reflects those values. 2. Think about when is an ideal time for you to withdraw and spend some time with the Father. Can you try to do it for a week and see if it's something you could integrate in your daily schedule going forward? Now, here come the challenges. Pick one and please let me know how you get on with it. Challenge number one. Turn your phone off one night before going to sleep and don't switch it back on until after you've had your quiet time. Challenge number two. Make a point of walking slowly next time you go out and make note of five things in your neighbourhood that you'd never seen before. Challenge number three. Pick the biggest line at the till at Tesco and start a conversation with the till operator. Challenge number four. Cook from scratch for a week. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I would love to hear from you as this podcast was made for us all to continue to encourage and learn from each other. Please leave a message by using the button below or email me at manu.milanbaptist.org.uk. It would be lovely to hear about the ways in which you have braved the challenges and as well as your thoughts on how we can be slowing down. I'd also like to acknowledge that a lot more could be said on the topic. If the theme of slowing down is one that you'd like to pursue further, please check out the books in the episode description. They are the ones that helped me put this episode together and I very highly recommend them. A new episode will be released soon with all the wonderful stories, scriptures and poems that you share. For now, all I have left to do is to send you my love. Don't forget to send me a message and in the meantime, go and enjoy the very God who delights in you.